0: You're listening to Payments Innovation, a podcast dedicated to helping business leaders navigate today's global digital economy. Looking to learn about the latest innovations within fintech and payments? You've come to the right place. Let's get into the show.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Payments Innovation Podcast. This is your host, Brady Briquette, And today on the show, we have Matt Kopko, who's a Vice President for Public Policy at DailyPay. Matt, welcome to the show. Great to be here, Brady. We're we're excited to have you on. Um, Daily Pay is an exciting fintech company working um, kind of at the intersection of of payroll and crediting employees for earned income. Um, So a lot of things to talk about today. But to start things off, Matt, it'd be great if you could give us a background kind of about your professional experience leading up to Daily Pay. Um, what what drew you to the company, and and what problems you you joined Daily Pay specifically to to help them solve?
0: Sure. Well, uh, great to be here on the program with you, Brady. So I've been originally by training was an attorney. I Got my legal training. I had a joint business and JD from the University of Chicago, and went right into practice in private equity, you know, large large law firm service uh, in New York City here, where I. Uh, you know, served a lot of private equity sponsors and participated in large M and A transactions and other other uh, financial transactions for for a few years. I I transitioned my practice a bit into representing venture capitalists and entrepreneurs. Um, so had a kind of a nice gamut of the later stage and the earlier stage, you know, private equity venture capital world. And so cut my teeth my first few years as an attorney, burning that you know midnight oil, so to speak, on on large transactions overnight in the law firm environment. And then was moved on to a, a regulatory component of my career where I was uh, a government official in the United States Department of Transportation, uh, working on a variety of emerging technology in the tran- transportation space, uh, including you know new regulations and a pilot program on, on drone operations, which uh, are now actually in operation. So in, in certain jurisdictions across the country, we actually have automated drone flights happening and drone flights beyond visual line of sight, um, and a lot of kind of exciting activity in this space, which is early on, but we had to lay the regulatory framework early on. Also worked on Hyperloop and, and other very cool uh, emerging technologies. Um, and I left the government to join a very exciting company early on called Bird, the scooter company. So most people probably know kind of Scooter mageddon, as it was called <laughs> in, in 2018 and 2019, where all these scooters uh, appeared on the streets of almost every city in the country. It was a uh, intentional strategy by by bird to to do essentially a nationwide canvassing to determine you know which jurisdictions people had a right to this mobility option and and which jurisdictions we'd have to engage in in prior legislative and regulatory work. Um, and that was a very exciting opportunity to live at the kind of cutting edge of transportation technology on the local level. Um, and then I moved on to uh, daily pace serving in a very similar role. Um, I'm in an elevated platform where I was able to not only take on the regulatory and legislative component as I had as I had been doing at Bird, but also manage public affairs of the company, which is a very important part of a lot of these, you know, regulated type entities, which is engaging with stakeholders, um, engaging in the more public ecosystem and speaking on programs like this to, to help engage on the public narrative regarding what these new technologies are and what they aren't and what they can do for people and what the challenges and risks are associated with them. And so I've been here at Daily Pay. Um, which is an on-demand pay provider, which I imagine we can get much more into depth on. But uh, here working in the fintech space, helping millions of hardworking Americans across the country, including a lot of our frontline workers, get access to their earned pay faster than they would have normally otherwise um, gotten. So you know, the normal status quo in America right now is sometimes you work and then weeks later, you end up getting a paycheck from your employer. Um, Daily pay is a very exciting technology that is finding its way into employers large and small across the country to help people make payday any day. So at any point, you've earned money uh, in your paycheck, and it is yours, regardless of whether you stay with your employer or move on. So the idea that you're paid once or twice a month um, for accounting convenience is becoming increasingly antiquated, and daily pay is at the the forefront of this revolution, helping people get um, immediate access to their earned income, which is their money, their property. Um, And it's a very exciting space to be because I think you're starting to see a very quick sea shift here where, you know, a few years ago, this fly wasn't really talked about at all, but now we have a world of Venmo and instant payments everywhere. And so it seems like kind of almost in real time, the idea that you should have to wait weeks at a time to get your own paycheck um, is going kind of the way of the 20th century generally. And it's very exciting and gratifying to be at a company helping this revolution take place and make meaningful change in people's lives. I mean, when you're talking about your average frontline worker who, um, let's say, is either in the healthcare space or in the grocery space, you know, depending on which industry they're in or how experienced they are in their career, they're still struggling to make ends meet. And so the fact that anyone like that should have to take out a payday loan or pay a late fee on a bill or um, suffer an overdraft fee because they have insufficient funds in their bank account because they haven't been paid for a few days is something that we'd like to see as part of the dustbin of history. And we're doing our part to make sure that our daily pay users never have to take out a payday loan or suffer an overdraft fee or late fee ever again. And that's where we've been here. And it's very exciting to be on this
1: ride. Yeah, it's it, I mean, you, you lay the, the groundwork for daily pay and, and it certainly sounds like an exciting mission. Uh, and I want to to hit on one, I, I guess, you know, quote unquote competitor. You mentioned the the payday loan. Um, so the landscape previous to daily pay and, and um, other folks in the space. I guess are these these payday lenders um, typically viewed as pretty predatory? The government uh, kind of cracked down back when Obama was in office. And curious if you can talk about kind of the landscape prior to Daily Pay, um, and, and you know how Daily Pay is taking a different approach. Sure. Yeah. I mean,
0: we understand this space very well, and we, like I said, you know, have the view that you know our users should never have to take out a payday loan ever again. Hopefully. And there has been kind of historically a regulatory angle on the payday lending industry to try to increasingly regulate them to minimize their reach and rate cap them. And that is all very laudable work. And all the public policy officials and legislators and elected officials moving that forward, you know, have, have you know, a, a big challenge in front of them, but are fighting the good fight. What, what we're doing here at Daily Pay is, you know, without having to engage in any of that, um, you know, regulatory Sword fighting. What we're just doing is building another market uh, substitute for people. So, you know, for a service like Daily Pay, where you're able to have full integration into your paycheck, where you can see on a earned basis how much you've earned in between a paycheck, and you know, just like an ATM, cash it out at the touch of a button for just a dollar or two. Um, the idea that, you know, let's say you suffer a car broken down on a Tuesday before your Friday payday, and you don't have your paycheck yet, and you're run, running low in your bank account, and you need to take out a payday loan. You know, these these financial transactions can end up being very costly for your average person. So just to to run through a couple of rough numbers for you, just that origination alone, you know, fees typically involved with a payday loan of of only 400 or so dollars can be 40 to $60 in fees. But that's just the tip of the iceberg, right? So Pew did actually a very interesting in-depth study of the payday loan space uh, a few years ago. And what they found was, you know, these industries are built to encourage Or normalized rollover is what it's called. So you may pay $45 to $60 to get access to your payday loan, but it's very common in a lot of states for that just to be automatically rolled over to the next month because they rely on the fact that these fees will take out money from you that you won't be able to repay next month. And so, crazy enough, your average payday loan is rolled over about eight times. And so that means on an average payday loan of just $375 Three hundred and seventy-five dollars in principal value. The average consumer, according to Pew Research, is that they're paying about five hundred and twenty dollars in interest over the life of that loan because it's rolled over so many times, and that includes reorigination fees, it includes interest, and all these other fees that have kind of been, been baked in to you know help help the payday lenders recoup as much interest or fees as possible, which is obviously the the opposite goal of the consumer. And so, what we're looking at the situation to say you needed $375 of liquidity and you may even already have access to that money. You just, you've earned it, for example, let's, let, let's say just to do rough math, right? Let's say you get paid every two weeks and you're earning about hundred dollars a day. You could earn that, that 375 or $400 in about four days of work. And if some sort of unexpected challenge arises for you in the days running up to your pay, paycheck day, you may say, you know, oh, darn, I need to take out a payday loan. What, what we're doing on the daily pay side is saying, we're going to integrate with your employer. We're going to verify your time and attendance data for this current pay cycle. And again, just like an ATM, this is your money. If you quit tomorrow, actually in several states, you'd be entitled to the money on the spot tomorrow if you quit. Mm-hmm. But regardless of whether you get it in, in you know, tomorrow or 72 hours, that is your, your money. You've earned it, right? No, no one's questioning that you've earned it. It's just about whether and when the company runs payroll. So, what our technology does is allow you to get you know, near perfect approximation of what that net earned pay is, because we don't want to be providing people money in excess of their take-home net pay. You know, we don't want to create any sort of unexpected tax obligation or tax shortfall for them. And what we what we've seen through some research um, that we've done is the need to rely on payday loans or overdraft substantially plummets the moment you have access to a service like Daily Pay, because what we're doing is using this next generation FinTech payments rails. To you know, first just verify that money, and then get it to you in a very efficient manner. So the 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 cost proposition or the value proposition for our average user is, you know, pay this overdraft fee and swallow thirty five bucks, or take out a payday loan and potentially have to pay hundreds of dollars in interest when you can finally claw yourself out of the cycle of debt, or pay a company like Daily Pay a dollar and ninety nine cents, and we will immediately transfer earned money that you've already earned to you, so that you don't have to sweat it.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's incredibly valuable, um, and and I can see how you guys are, are making people's lives better by offering the service. Um, and, and I kind of want to talk about um, your unique approach, obviously in, in the, in the old landscape, maybe, you know, before the, the boom of of digital information technology and, and digital payments, um, companies were, were kind of restricted to running payroll in, in a cost effective way, whether that's every two weeks, every month. Um, but now, you know, you guys have, have a platform and you guys can, can, um, obviously keep track of of shifts that, that employees are working and, and what their earned income should be. So can you talk about, I guess, why why employers still kind of rely on, on these old pay cycles? You know, are, are, is it just cash flow concerns? Is there still technology inertia there? And, and then how you guys are integrating there and, and at what level of the payroll stack you guys are, are playing a part?
0: Yeah, sure. Uh, it's a fascinating space. And actually, you know, shockingly complex um, the more you look into it. So without getting too wonky or historical, you know, some of the basic infrastructure for why we have payroll reporting and periodic payments, the way we do, is a, can be traced back to the advent of income taxes, which were passed you know, in the early 20th century. Because at that point, employers needed a way in which to you know collect withholding tax and provide it to the federal government. Mm-hmm. And the easiest way to do that was to start systematizing this idea of a pay stub where you would accumulate money that you were earned or entitled to and then get paid. And then the employer would deduct you know, the amount that would have to go to the taxing authorities. And so kind of that's that's when it all started. And then, as as you know, and as you alluded to, you know, there's a lot of legacy systems that were put in place and technology that was put in place and a lot of compliance considerations as well. So, you know, state by state now, there are regulations on. You know how frequently you must pay your employees or how infrequently you cannot pay your employees you know some 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 states have put out laws that said in no context, can you pay them less than once a month, for example. Mm-hmm. And then you know generally until the fintech explosion of the last few years, you know this wasn't really thought of as a as a place that could be immediately synced, right? The idea used to be you had a a team of a mix of h r and payroll professionals who would quote unquote close the books after a certain number of weeks, tally up everyone's hours get their gross pay, apply all the individual by individual deductions, get the next pay, and then run that payroll cycle. And that is still kind of fundamentally the legal construct we live in for payroll. And there's all these um, compliance considerations and legacy technology systems that exist. So part of why people get paid only once or twice a month is A, the existing legal infrastructure requirements, but also the main fact that it takes essentially a team of people, you know, frankly, days to run payroll. Like, you have to close down your books by Wednesday to be able to run payroll by Friday. And so you have a lot of overworked people who are already, you know, struggling and processing a lot of paperwork just to make normal payroll on the normal schedule. Right. And then you add the idea to them to say, Hey, I know you have 10,000 employees. What if we, you know, allowed each of your employees to essentially request that you run payroll for them on a one-off basis whenever they want, that would be a nightmare for your average kind of mm-hmm. HR payroll professional. So this is where daily pay steps in, right? What we say is you get to keep all your existing procedures in place. you close the books when you normally close the books, you run payroll when you normally run payroll. All we require is data integration so that we can verify the time and attendance data to know how much you know how many hours people have worked so that they're earned entitled to, and then between a mix of their gross pay and their net pay and their accounting elections, which we also get through data integration obviously on a on an anonymized secure basis, we can estimate to essentially the penny for a payroll professional that says, if, if you needed to run payroll today on this person, here's how much you know net available take-home pay would be available to them. And then we, we make those funds available to them. And then we resolve the payments on normally scheduled payday through the payroll process with the employer. So what we've done is we've built a technology stack that enables pay to be received in an on-demand capacity without having it to be processed and the books closed in an on-demand capacity. And there's so much legal requirement process compliance and legacy corporate systems where you know employers aren't looking to overhaul their payroll system because you know they're they're drowning kind of as it is in in maintaining compliance and keeping keeping up with just helping business grow right adding this as an employee benefit in a way that would create substantial burden for the existing payroll or hr team is just non-workable so kind of daily pay has taken this service first element we kind of almost view this as you know on-demand pay as a service, where you know, aside from the upfront integration, where we have to make sure that we write the code to receive all the data from the employer, the employer doesn't have this additional day-by-day overhead or, or process overhead to have to accommodate on-demand pay. That should all be handled on the on the vendor side. And that's what daily pay does. And that's why it's so attractive to both employers and employees, because it's a seamless, simple system for employees. I get to see how much my net earned pay is whenever I want, and I get to access it whenever I want. And for employers, it's equally simpler, simple, which is, you know, respect your existing payroll systems, respect your existing compliance system, and daily pay will fill in this gap here and make sure the system works well.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's, it, it, it's really fascinating. And it, it's one of the themes that, you know, we're seeing in the fintech landscape. And, and it's one of the themes that we talk a lot about on this show is the ability for fintech companies to align um, a, a lot of different parties in the market where they were previously they previously might've been seen as adversarial. So kind of, you know, the old landscape might be that the employee wants his wages as, as soon as he's earned them. Um, The employer kind of doesn't have the capability to, to process that information and and make the the payment. Um, So they have this um, chunky uh, pay cycle where uh, the employee needs, needs to wait for funds. And then there's this other, other party called a payday lender. Um, that's incredibly predatory or, or a bank that's that's charging overdraft fees. So they're all kind of adversarial and then enter daily pay and, and other companies focused on the space. Um, what you guys are doing is really interesting because you are providing the capital. So you kind of take the, the payday lender out of the uh, almost putting them out of business, hopefully. Um, and you're, you're, you're really aligning the employer with the employee, right? Because your, your business model, and, and I'll ask you to touch on that, um, is to work through the employer, um, and, and so can you talk about you know how that works today, um, and maybe how you're different from some other companies that are going up and and signing up individuals, um, you know wh- whether that service is slightly different um, and, and what the unique benefits are for daily pays approach.
0: Absolutely, and I also want to pick up on one thing you kind of alluded to towards the end there, in terms of just you know taking a step back and and solidifying the value prop here, because they're actually, as you alluded to, in terms of the alignment between the employer and employee, there is huge surplus and benefit here, not just on the employee side, which is, which is um, you know, intuitive. You know, being able to access your own money, whatever you need in and of itself is a value, but also being able to access it so that you don't have to you know, turn to these predatory services is an actual kind of quantifiable, monetizable value. On the employer side, there's actually substantial benefits as well. So, um, one thing we track and look at is average tenure of employees who have access to a daily pay benefit versus not. And you see substantial uh, turnover reduction for employers who do this. And and some of the industries we serve, you know, some of these retail uh, industries have intense churn, right? You're turning over employees sometimes that they have, some of these industries have metrics of average employee turnover of 300%. That means your employees are turning over every four months. That means every four months, you have to retrain a new employee, you have to set up a new benefits package, you have all these, you know, retraining costs and onboarding costs. And that's substantial cost. I'm talking about kind of on an extrapolated nationwide basis, you know, hundreds of millions, maybe billions of dollars. And so if your average tenure can even go from four months to six months, you know, which is is substantiated by the data that we see on our employer side, it's a substantial reduction in retraining costs. So mm-hmm. it's not just a lifestyle benefit for employees to say, hey, it's nice and fair that you should get paid whenever you need in the 21st century. There's also actually an, an employer desire to get these done because A, it cements their reputation as a leader on financial wellness and, and another benefit for their employees. But frankly, just from an employer self-interest standpoint, they substantially reduce turnover costs and you have a happier workforce. Um, you know, one one kind of just prototype example I walk through people with is used to be in the situation where, you know, sometimes you'd be asked to fill in an extra shift for a friend or the boss calls you and asks you to fill, fill in an extra shift because they are short staffed in a pre daily pay world, you kind of just, you know, bite the bullet if you had to, or maybe you'd, maybe you'd avoid that call and you'd go on with your life and you'd get your normal paycheck in your black box every two weeks. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you get that, when you get that money kind of through that black box every couple of weeks, you don't really know how to unpack it. Right. Cause you're like, well, I know my, my base wage was $18 and I think I worked roughly this week and kind of have that sticker shock, right? Of like, well, my gross pay probably would have been this, but I'm looking at about two thirds of what I would have had. I'm not just talking about that kind of, you know, tax-based analysis. I'm talking about the idea of saying, I now know on a shift by shift basis how much I've earned. So, you know, our our users may only access the service for a, for a to request funds once a week, but they actually check their balance once or twice a day mm. because it builds financial knowledge it builds budgeting heuristics right to be able to know okay well my average day like yesterday i netted 123 dollars, and maybe the day before i netted 127 or whatever or or whatever that number is you become you know intrinsically more connected to your pay experience by having not just access to the service but access to the information and that also makes you a better budgeter so just wanted to, to point that out there now yeah um and it's a very compelling value added for employers and employees. But in terms of what you're talking about in terms of the implementation, glad to walk through that as well. You're you're absolutely correct. We made a decision very early on that we felt that integrating through the employer was the long run and, and arguably only real way to do this. The trust and verification you can get within the enterprise system is just unmatched, right? And And I'll explain what I mean in terms of you know when we so it's a lot of work, right? We have to participate in RFPs and there's this long education process with employers. Sometimes those processes can take two years, um, you know, to successfully win a contract for an employer. Um, but once you are in that position, you're in a very special situation in that you can effectuate full payroll integration, you can effectuate full data integration. So we're not estimating, right? We know through an actual synced data exchange. Our slowest syncing is once a day. Some of our newer partners, we sync on an hourly basis. So imagine, like literally, like almost like a bean counter. Imagine watching the app and, like, throughout your your day at work, you see your money growing. Yeah, yeah, that's impossible unless you're in an employer integrated environment, right? And then on top of it, imagine the extra layer of trust and consumer protection when you have the accounting element, right? So if if that was just it, that would be a great service, but if you ever pay someone a, a penny over what their net take-home pay would be, there's this, this kind of burning question of like, oh, no, am I going to have to now go have a hard conversation with the IRS where I have to pay back money that was over advance me or something like this? Again, the payroll and the, the employer-integrated environment is critical to this because we can take the employees on an individual basis, their existing accounting elections, and provide to them an equivalent of net available pay. Again, something that is only available in the employer-integrated context. So we have this whole system that is built kind of on this three-legged stool of employer, employee, and daily pay. And it creates a seamless, you know, entirely trustworthy, trust-based environment for people to easily access their net pay. Yeah, That's the space that daily pay lives in. And we think that is kind of the gold standard. You know, seeing how attractive this opportunity was for people has created kind of some also rans to sprout up trying to sprint at this space. And one thing some of these companies have done to try to um, avoid all the, all the effort it takes to sell to, to employers is to say, I'm just going to offer this to everyone on the internet. Um, and you can reach, you know, tens of millions of people. So I get the allure of that, but it comes with a very significant cost. Um, and it'll ultimately result, and it has resulted, as I can point you to, uh, legal and regulatory costs. There's, there's a regulatory action against some of these direct-to-consumer providers. There are, class action lawsuits that were really large, eight figures that they've recently had to settle some of them. And because they don't have that payroll integration and the data integration, they're left out here kind of trying to figure out ways to quote unquote, approximate earned pay. And I'm not even kidding you. This is the prevailing way in which one of the providers does this. They GPS track you and they say, in order to have access to our service, you must turn on 24 seven GPS tracking. And now what I've done after monitoring your account for a day is I've confirmed that you've told me you work at Burger King and you were in this Burger King for eight hours yesterday. I'm going to assume that means you were working and I'm going to make this amount of money available to you. And on your next payday, I'm going to go into your bank account through Plaid or some other, you know, very powerful technology and automatically debit your account. Mm. So first there's the whole, just like scary ball of, ball <laughs> of wax of like what, like, well, hold on a second. Now you're GPS tracking me 24-7? I thought this was a financial service, right? And then there's also the component of just providing random estimated amounts of money to people. Is that credit? Is that not credit? My view is it would be credit, especially because if you realize without the employer context, there's no automatic payroll settlement. So you literally have to burrow into the bank account after payday yeah. to take the money back. And the kind of dirty secret in some of these competitors is to make sure that they're not kind of at the back of the stack when payday comes to maybe lose out on getting repaid. They actually initiate that ACH transaction the night before payday to say, I want to make sure I'm first in line to get kind of debited back for all the money I gave you. And if that ACH is processed on a faster cycle, right? You can end up accidentally debiting people before their payroll funds hit. And we know from the employer integrated context, everyone likes to think payroll arrives perfectly at, you know, 4 a.m. on the day of payday, right? But um, you'd actually be shocked to see. And it's kind of, uh, it's something that we, we we think is an additional value add of the daily pay procedure here, which is we're able to monitor and, and see when those monies come in late and, and about one in 50 payroll dollars actually occurs either never at all or after the day in which payroll was supposed to be received. So employees are regularly in this situation, not only of just receiving money that is probably credit like in nature and having it being taken back from them kind of in a fintech version of a payday loan, but then they're also exposed to this debiting practice to have uh, overdrafts accidentally caused for them by a vendor who is purporting to help them avoid payday loans and overdraft fees. And one of these providers, you know I'm not going to turn this into a, a you know competitive criticism session, but one of these providers had to settle a uh, very large class action recently, um like I said, eight figures, you know over ten million dollars uh, because they were accidentally causing these overdrafts for hundreds of thousands of people. I mean, you can imagine you you run this system, right? And you auto debit the day before payday for millions of people. That's bound to go wrong some of the time. And this isn't just, oops, you know, your Facebook account, like, posted something you can delete. It's like, oops, we emptied out your bank account. And so there are these situations in the direct-to-consumer environment without all this payroll and employer enterprise trust where they're debiting these accounts and they're literally causing overdrafts for hundreds of thousands of people. And that's 35 bucks each pop. And the technology yeah. actually tries again the next day to do it. And then there's another $35. So you're in a situation where just so many more things can go wrong when you don't have that employer verified con- construct. And so it was much more costly up front and it is more costly to acquire new business to do. But we think it's the long run, the best way to do it because it just, the system really can't function without the employer verification, employer trust element.
1: Yeah, that that, that sounds like a nightmare. Um, and, and obviously- you know, there, there's the fast approach to get to market um, that you're going to see a lot of a lot more hiccups um, that, that you laid out versus um, kind of taking your time and, and making sure that you set the system up top to bottom um, to, to optimize for, for all those involved. I'm curious if you could touch on, um, you know, we, we've seen some challenger banks. Chime is the big example, um, but I'm sure there are others offering, you know, two day advances in pay different from what you guys are doing and and different from the use case we just talked about, but, uh, you know, curious if you could comment on that, um, and, and, you know, the impact that that's had.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, we think it's frankly just generally positive in terms of validating that this is going to be the new normal. What I would just give you some rough math, right? Like getting your direct deposit two days early means, you know, you're talking about two out of a 14 day day or 15 day pay cycle for most people. Right. And in fact, for like that 10 to 20% of people who are insanely still paid monthly, you're talking about two days on thirty days, so I kind of view that as like a bit of an afterthought. It's kind of like an amuse bouche, where it's like, "Hey, guess what?" Like, because they're not actually going out and taking risk, right? The, the way right. these providers are providing that service is they're receiving the ACH initiation instructions, and they're saying, "Well, because we have a, a history and experience here, we're comfortable taking a risk on providing these funds forty-eight hours early." The other thing, by the way, you should know, you should read the fine print of those services. They say up to two days early. I think in your typical con- construct, you're talking about. One and a half or one day early.
1: Interesting.
0: Because, um, you know, I think that that is based on the kind of slowest ACH cycle where an instruction is initiated on a Wednesday for fulfillment on Friday. But in, and oftentimes people are using a newer ACH where it's only one day. So, a in a lot of circumstances, that two days is only one day, <laughs> which is like almost nothing, right? And, yeah. and b, candidly, two days is almost nothing too, right. right? So what we have is a full integration, which is you know. The day after your next pay cycle, if you worked a shift yesterday, you're entitled to your pay as you earn it. It's not just like, oh, yeah, in the last day or two before payday. It's whatever. There's this basic idea of, as you see me hit on this as a theme a couple of times, right? Is it's yours when you've earned it. Yeah. Right? Not yours when your employer pays it. And we have an accounting overlay and a financial overlay to get you the money you've earned. But no one is ever questioning it's yours when you've earned it. And so why are we not in a world where it's standard where you've built technology to say it's yours when you earn it. You can either just like queue it up and get it every couple of weeks because that's convenient or at your choice for less than a cost, by the way, for less than the cost of your average out-of-network ATM fee, the average out-of-network ATM fee is $4.70 or something like that. We're talking about $1.99 or $2.99. If you ever need it, you can access it on demand. So we view this as a kind of a total access to your own money as opposed to kind of just an afterthought or some sort of access to your money that can be kind of marketed as some sort of equivalent. So I've had this come to me a couple of times where actually like friends, for example, have written in and be like, oh, I see what you've been doing at DailyPay. Page. you see that chime announcement that they're doing something similar. And I always have to kind of <laughs> respectfully roll my eyes a bit and say like yeah. getting an ACH deposit 24 to 48 hours early isn't really the same thing as like knowing how much you're earning on an hourly basis and having the freedom to access that whenever exactly. you want. So, so we, we welcome all competitors into the space. A lot of big people have been jumping in because I think we've trailblazed a lot of opportunity here. Um, but it's just not comparable in terms of value for the offering.
1: Right, yeah, and, and it's hard to compete with Chime's uh, billion-dollar marketing budget to, to promote some of their features like that. Um, exactly. And, and so, so we've talked about a few different services, um, you know, providing the capital, advance, uh, running payroll, making payments, um, and, and uh, I'll kind of ask a very open-ended question um, to you as someone who's focused on, on public policy. Can you give us um, an overview of the regulations um, and, and, you know, I guess in general uh, of, you know, daily paid service and and all these different um, all these different products and and activities you guys are touching?
0: Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a very complicated space whenever you're moving money and interacting with um, either wages or income people have earned. There's a lot of existing legal infrastructure you have to take account of, right? So there's uh, kind of, we think of it in three categories. There is the consumer finance element, which is state and federal laws regarding financial services, what is credit, what's not credit. And then there's the wage and hour component, which in in our federal system is typically done on the state level, though there is a DOL overlay. But the, the main meat of wage and hour compliance is really on a state by state level. And then there's the tax element, which is primarily federal. I would say the biggest thing that has gotten the most attention that people you know focus most on or, or seem to care most about is that first one, the consumer finance one. Um, and there's been a lot of questions over the last couple of years about what is this? Is it credit? Is it not credit? Is it something new? And we see some really exciting confirming guidance coming out of the top financial regulator, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau on this point. And We've been very clear for years that our service is not credit. Um, fundamentally credit requires an obligation of the employee to repay. And there are certain hallmarks of credit, right? Like is the pricing based on the time value of money? Mm. Is the pricing based on an individual's risk profile? Um, Can the fees be rolled over? Um, And then this is where we'll get back to that, that point I made for you about the direct to consumer providers, which is, are you giving someone money and then taking it back from them versus in an enterprise context? Are you making verified net earned money available to someone and then just automatically settling it through payroll almost as a payroll provider. So the CFPB came out in late 2020 and issued an advisory opinion and guidance on the space. There have been kind of some dribblings and, and commentary on the space over the last couple of years, um, but it was very exciting and validating to see the CFPB first of all, confirm that this space exists and speak of it very positively. They talk about it as an innovation that creates a lot of potential for consumer benefit and can um, displace reliance on predatory alternatives like payday loans. And then they actually did specifically wade into, you know, more details on, on on the sector. And what you'll see in the two actions is they are both B2B oriented actions. And the first action actually lays out a framework kind of for how to think about EWA that has seven factors. And it's like entirely dependent on this employer integrated environment. So like factor one is, do you integrate with an employer? factor two is do you use employer based data to approximate net earned income so what we've seen is kind of on the consumer finance standpoint increasingly positive guidance that will what kind of confirms everything I've been saying here which is in this enterprise system where you have the payroll integration and the data verification trust system in order it really has none of those hallmarks right like we don't we don't individually underwrite any individual we yeah. don't it's the same pricing for everyone. We don't we don't know your skin color. We don't know your credit score. We don't care. It's really actually a fully financially inclusive service versus on the direct-to consumer side, you have an algorithm that is like, I need to approximate how much to charge these people because I need to know, you know, because I have a sense on whether or not they're gonna be able to repay this. That's like fundamentally credit in nature, right? In the yeah. entire context, it's just, hey, are you an eligible employee? Kind of like your healthcare benefits, right? Like, great, you can turn on the system, it's the same terms available to everyone. It's $1.99 for, for ACH service. It's $2.99 for instant service. And like I said, you know, there's no rollover fees. It's not based on how many days it's outstanding. It's not based on the principal amount of money, of your own money that you want to get access to. It's just right. it's, it's what they call in the, in the guidance, a quote, nominal processing fee. Um, and so from a regulatory standpoint, you know, it's been a bit of a, a cloud to some large employers because there was a lot of chatter on this, is it, isn't it? And that scares away large enterprise providers. Nonetheless, we were able to succeed hand and fist with some very, very large enterprise wins. But the fact that the CFPB came out and finally issued kind of some very positive confirmatory guidance without kind of being overly prescriptive was hugely positive because my view is that essentially they've confirmed, you know, the main, the main concern, which was clarifying, like in these circumstances, particularly in the employer-based context, we're not inclined to see this as credit, which is you know the big thing that everyone has been focusing on, and then there are all these secondary and tertiary considerations of how do you structure your program to maintain compliance with existing state wage and hour uh, obligations, and then also how do you structure your program such that the employer doesn't have any sort of unanticipated tax risk. Um, and so those are the things generally my world is focused on, and yeah. uh, we're very proud of the unique system we built at Daily Pay to tackle all three of those components.
1: Yeah, I mean it's, it's exciting to hear. Kind of the support from the regulator uh, for for your guys' model obviously they they see the value that it brings to consumers, which you know I, I you don't always see um, sometimes there are things that, that the industry thinks is beneficial to to those and and the regulator um, decides that's that that they need to protect them against that so that that's incredibly positive and and obviously a tailwind for you guys to to kind of continue to take on the space so as we look to wrap up Matt. I'll ask you kind of another open-ended question. Just wh- where do you think the space is going a- and, and where is daily pay um, trying to move the space? If you guys, you know, you guys are the, the dominant player.
0: Yeah. My personal view on this is on-demand pay or a faster pay or fair pay is kind of rapidly transitioning from a nice to have to a need to have maybe not technically required, But increasingly we're seeing employers like literally advertise this as like another reason to work here. We have the daily pay benefit. And sometimes it's literally daily pay or sometimes it's a competitor, but everyone calls themselves daily pay. We're kind of like the uh, Kleenex or Mm -hmm. Google of the industry. Yeah. Um, So I think what we're going to see in the next coming couple of years is we've, we're kind of in the middle of this hockey stick right now. As we were chatting earlier, Brady and I mentioned that daily pay was beyond fortunate enough to, Win the nationwide contract for Target and for Dollar General, uh, who are actually two of the largest employers in the nation, each having hundreds of thousands of employees each. And then, just another example for you Kroger, the large grocery chain that is also one of the largest employers in the nation, came to us in the middle of the pandemic. We had a small pilot call with them and they said, Holy moly, like I didn't realize until coronavirus the difference between getting paid on a Tuesday versus a Friday means like, I got Clorox wipes and I got hand sanitizer and I got masks or right. I didn't, or there's a three hour line to get into Walmart right now versus on Tuesday there isn't. And it was like, you know, obviously the, the pandemic has just created economic devastation and havoc for people, but it really shone a spotlight on this idea of like, we used to just think, Oh, well, you just go to the store after payday. Right. But like, I, I live three minutes from a Walmart and There's like in in April, May, June, like there were three hour long lines to just get in there. If you think you're ever getting necessary, not just PPE, but like food on a a convenient basis, because you have to wait, you know, part of why those long lines exist on Saturday morning is everyone gets paid Friday afternoon.
1: Right, exactly. And
0: so what we're telling people is like, you know, maybe you're high risk health-wise. Maybe you just value the convenience for the price of $2. But like, if you want to go do your shopping on Tuesday versus Friday, and you've already earned it, like it's almost like it would be crazy to tell someone not to do that. So yeah. part of why I mentioned that is I think the pandemic environment and supply chain disruption has shown a light for people on like we people need to be flexible not just just for what's right and wrong but because we have frontline workers who we need to be treating with basic respect and like people really need access to food and, and protective equipment and and all these things you know on an increasingly tight schedule not just because life is more demanding but because like you know, you walk now through any grocery store. Or otherwise, the stocking system is just different now. That we've had so much international trade disruption, so I think you know rather than a few Fortune 100s kind of dipping their toe in, we're, this is going to be common practice in a couple to a few years. And Daily Pay is really excited at that prospect. You know, what we're also doing is noticing that because of the fractured nature of the payroll ecosystem, we need to make sure that we're ever present in all channels. So we have a lot of channel partnerships we work on. We have a lot of partnerships with individual payroll providers we're working on. We work on a lot of other cool, cool things in terms of being the underlying technology that powers this revolution for years to come. So, you know, we think product market fit has been obviously proven. We think we're in the middle of this acceleration cycle. We think there's been tremendous growth just the last 24 months alone, but there's going to be even more in the next couple of years. And it's just really, really exciting to be here to say, you know, we're in a front seat to all of this. We're doing serious human good by providing this opportunity to people, and the world is starting to recognize.
1: Yeah, yeah, it, it's really exciting, and, and kind of what you laid out today, Matt. You know, you, you painted the picture of of a market um, where a lot of the the players are trying to to align. Um, you guys are, p- are providing that capability for for the employer and the employee to to align, and and um, obviously there's. The, the, the fact that if you've earned wages, you should have access to them. But you also pointed out some of the other benefits um, that, that you can bring to the space. So it's really exciting. You know, we'll, we'll continue to track daily pay and, and root you guys on. Uh, but it's been a great conversation, Matt. Thanks for coming on to the show.
0: Sure, my pleasure. Good to talk to you, Brady. Cloud is an online payments company that makes international money transfers fast and simple for businesses. We're building a borderless future where international transactions are seamless for a better user experience. Discover the world's most trusted payment platform and our toolkit of developer-friendly APIs at currencycloud.com. You've been listening to the Payments Innovation Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe now on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thanks for
1: listening. Until next time.